Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Rosso Santalev. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets, and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. Hello and welcome Success Secret Nation to this new episode of the Success Secret Podcast with my guest Dennis Gillen. He is the founder and chief difference maker at his solo consulting company Zero N, which he founded back in 2018. Through Zero N, Dennis helps companies solve indifference by implementing strategies to build brand customers' love and culture where people are passionate to work in. Dennis, welcome to the Success Secret Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, Hussein. Awesome, awesome to have you here. So first of all, Dennis, you have this company and you call yourself the Chief Difference Maker. So (laughs) what does that mean, Chief Difference Maker? Yeah, there's a bit of a story behind that. Um, When I was first uh, figuring out how to brand and market my services, I'm basically a customer experience and employee experience consultant. But when I say it like that, I sound like every other customer experience and employee experience consultant. So I had to find a different way of saying it, some some way of differentiating myself. So what I came up with was I help companies solve indifference. Either you mm-hmm. have indifferent customers or you have indifferent employees. Those are the two biggest challenges you should be focused on within your company. So let me help you solve indifference. So if I'm helping you solve indifference, I'm the chief difference maker. That was uh, kind of how that came about. Mm, cool. So so what are we talking here about the, the, the people who, who feel the indifference, whether it's customers, whether employees? Now, employees, I can understand that, what you mean about yeah. indifference employees. The ones that who don't care about company, the success, the culture, whatever, they want to go out. So, but but what about, can you expand on that and the customer side of the customer yeah. side? Yeah. Uh, on the customer side of things, you want customers to really resonate with your brand, with your products, with your services. If you're just an option, if they're only purchasing your product or service because it's the lowest price, you really aren't capturing their attention. You really aren't building a brand that they resonate with. Um, So the way you typically do that well is through providing an amazing customer experience and a customer experience that's been specifically designed to make them feel a certain way. So a a simple example here would be Starbucks. Mm -hmm. In in North America, um, Starbucks was the first one to really be intentional to say, hey, I want to create a coffee drinking experience that feels like you're in a European style cafe. That's a very different experience than when you go to Dunkin' Donuts or Tim Hortons. These are North American coffee places, but it's a very different feel. So they created a very specific customer experience, high end, 
Um, and people resonated with that. There's nothing special about their coffee. Uh, it's the experience that the customers are resonating with. So how do you turn indifferent customers into raving brands, uh, raving fans of your brand? Well, you, you you get very intentional about what you want that experience to feel like. Mm-hmm. So that's on the customer side. And yeah, as you said, on the employee side, how do you create a culture where people are passionate about working for your company instead of it's just a job, Right. Uh, you want people to roll out of bed in the morning and say, I, I love my job. I love working for this company. Um, so how do you do that? How do you create that culture? So those are the two main problems I think most companies need to to really be focused on. Yeah, exactly. So from the employee's side, for example, it's like the burnout that the employees feel because it could be like more uh, overloading. They are overloading them with work more. So sometimes like, I don't know, we are we are out of COVID now, but I guess, but maybe companies are looking to shrink sometimes the number of employees. So that could put more burden on the existing employees already. So how do employees deal with that, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, the reality is there is there is a bottom line that companies have to watch. They they have to watch their expenses. If profits are going down, they can't keep spending the same amount of money as they were before. Um, so this is where you have to be very intentional from the beginning of what do we what do we want our employees to feel when they're working here? What is our purpose? What is our mission? What are our values? And how do we treat our employees? How do we incentivize our employees? How do we reward our employees intentionally so that there's an atmosphere here? There's a culture here that people enjoy working here. So it's really on the company to design this from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So then when you do run into things like the pandemic, or if you do have times where we actually do have to cut some employees and other people's workloads go up, well, you've already built this trust. You've already built this culture of this is a great place to work. So hopefully it helps you get through those times um, if you do have to make those drastic changes. Yeah. So you personally, when you started uh, your business, what what kind of things that you faced that you would thought this is going to be hard? Or did you think that this is going to be something that I will be working on no matter what is going to happen, no matter what are the obstacles are? Yeah. So a bit of my story then. So in 2018, I started Zero In. And the reason I started Zero In was because for the first time in my life, I had been laid off. Never had that happened to me before. I was always a high performer when I was employee. When I moved into management in a few different companies, I was always, you know, a high performing uh, senior level management, um, very involved in the company's strategies and, and operations. And suddenly, for the first time in my life, I was laid off. Well, I decided at that point, okay, instead of just jumping back in and finding another corporate job, I was 43 now at the time. I was given a severance package. Maybe I'll just bet on myself and um, try and start my own consulting company. And I have to tell you, in the beginning, I was very um, prideful and naive. I just thought, I've got 20 plus years of experience in the corporate world. No problem. I'll be able to start up my own company. And just like that, I'll have clients lining up at my door for my consulting services. Well, I soon found 
all of my corporate knowledge was really on the operations side. Mm. I did not have any background in branding, in marketing, in sales. I knew how to work with a client once I landed them. I had no idea how to land a client. So here I was launching this company with no idea on how to do this, um, how to how to brand my company, how to market my company, how to how to go out there and and package my services and sell myself to these these different companies. So the biggest challenge for me in the beginning was first having to humble myself and realize, hey, I got a lot to learn here. And then it was the learning. How do I do this? What does this look like? What have other people done? And I went through this real journey, uh, this transformation of first moving out of the corporate world where all of this stuff is already taken care of by other people to now it's all on my shoulders. I'm a one person company. I have to learn all this stuff and do all this work. Um, so it was, it was quite a journey, a lot of ups and downs, but, uh, thankfully with, um, a lot of support from my wife eventually made it through that first year. Yeah. So, so it's amazing that you mentioned, you basically have certain experience in a certain area in business that you, and from your work, you can apply it into your business, but other areas that you did not actually know about because you did not really work in. So these areas in business, people sometimes think that starting a business could be, now it's easy, the barrier to entry, I guess, but you need to know your strengths and weaknesses, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and as you say, the barrier to entry is easier, but there's a lot more competition now because of that. More people are starting businesses. So yes, it's easier to get started, but now there's a lot more noise you got to break through. How do you differentiate yourself? How do you compete with all these other people that are are starting their own business? So, mm-hmm. pros on one hand, but some cons on the other side to how how easy it is to get started nowadays. Yeah, exactly. So, so what do you do with your client? What do you help them achieve in your business exactly? Yeah, so through Zero Win, it really is that that customer experience and that employee experience. So how do we design a better customer experience for you? How do we make sure that your customers are now um, attracted to you, your company, your brand, your products, your services, not because you're the lowest price, but because mm-hmm. you've designed a customer experience that resonates with them, mm-hmm. where they want to tell all their friends boy, buy from this company. Here's the experience I had. So mm-hmm. I helped them uh, design. Yeah, exactly. So the most important thing now in business is to have an experience for your customers, right? Like you mentioned, it's not just about the price because the pricing, you can lower your price or raise the price, but it does not really matter as long as you have a quality product that is yeah. uh, targeted towards certain people and they actually need to use that. Yeah. So how how do you how do you create this? Are there certain steps to create this experience? Do you, for example, survey some people, some survey some of your clients? How do you do, create this kind of experience? Like you mentioned earlier, Starbucks. Yeah. So how can can you do creating an experience? Yeah. Especially, I, it, it could whole, it could not it could not be just one experience because with time you have to create maybe a new experiences for your customers. For sure. Right? For sure. So it's always evolving. Um, yeah, I've got a whole framework that I, I take them through. So I look at all the different parts of, of their company. Um, first thing I tell them is, hey, 
you're not going to have a good experience for your customers if the customer processing part is off. And by the customer processing, I mean the speed and the accuracy of the transactions that they have with you, right? They can they can have the most amazing product. You can have great customer service. You can have great atmosphere if you've got a um, um, brick and mortar establishment where people are going and buying from you. But if it takes too long for them to purchase from you and they get something wrong with the order, it's a bad experience. So you have to really put some metrics in place and really focus on making sure you've got the speed and accuracy down. That's your foundation. And then, yes, you want good quality products. And yes, you want to have some good customer service in there, being pleasant, um, um, really engaging. So let's make sure people are trained to do that well. Once that's in place, now we can focus on your atmosphere. What is the intentional atmosphere you want your customers to feel when they're working with you? How do you surprise and delight them? What is unique? about your um, company, your brand, your products, and how do we make sure that that uniqueness comes through? How do we personalize the experience for your customers? And how do we make sure that this is repeatable? That if they're working with one employee and they get this experience and then they come in the next day or they buy online the next day and it's a very different experience, that's not a good thing. You want this to be a consistent, repeatable experience. So how do we take all those things and make sure that they're embedded uh, within the company. No, uh, that's amazing because, like you mentioned, if if there is one experience through, for example, if we are talking about time frame through the years for a certain company, yes, it could be known for it, but uh, it, at the same time, with time passing, it could not bring. For example, it might be one of the things that it could not bring new clients or customers through the door. So, like yourself, you're a solopreneur. So do you think it's a better idea to work solo or do you think it's a better idea to work as a team with other people and brainstorm the ideas? Because sometimes, like you mentioned earlier, you can be good at one thing, but not uh, the other thing. So how do you see that uh, getting ideas from other people around you? Yeah. When I'm working with my business clients, it's always brainstorming sessions. I want different people from different parts of the company who have been there for different lengths of time, who have different skill sets, different experiences, different backgrounds brought to the table. Because you want to look at this thing from several different angles, several different perspectives. That's where good ideas come from, right? So when I'm working with my business clients and we are brainstorming ideas, let's get some diversity around the table here. Mm -hmm. This is how we're going to come up with um, better ideas, more ideas. Um, And then how do we... um, test those ideas? How do we pilot those ideas, whether it's a, you know, a minimum viable product or whether it's just a, um, a small sample with, uh, with, with customers? Um, and obviously, the customer viewpoint is a huge part of any of the brainstorming sessions. So who's bringing that to the table? Yes. Now, when it comes to my own business, as you mentioned, I'm a solopreneur. Well, I'm constantly reaching out to other people. I'm constantly doing Zoom calls where I'm sharing thoughts, sharing ideas. Um, and even though I'm a solopreneur, lots of times I will partner with other consultants on an engagement. Um, 
but I, uh, I never want to just isolate and have everything on my own shoulders. It's, it's, I want other people's viewpoints. I want to work with other people. Um, otherwise it can get pretty lonely. <laughs> yeah. So f- from one solopreneur, I guess to another, because me too, I do still work by myself for mm-hmm. everything. Uh, what advice would you give anyone that do you think that should start their own business by the, by themselves? What is the first things that they should do or the most important thing that they should focus on? Yeah. First, you need to realize it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. If you're starting a business, it's it's going to take some time. There's no overnight success. There's no, hey, I'm going to start a business and next week I'm successful. So be prepared for the long journey. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. Um, be prepared for that. Number two is have a bias towards action. You can read all the books you want about sales and marketing, and you can watch all the YouTube videos about branding or setting up your website or whatever. Knowledge is great, but the real experience, the real knowledge happens when you start applying any of that stuff you're learning. So instead of going and reading five different books about sales, read one book and start applying what you're learning. Instead of going watching every different YouTube video out there about marketing, watch one or two and start applying what you're learning. Have a bias towards action. You're going to learn much faster from the mistakes you make, um, from the reactions you get from your customers. Um, But remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and have a bias towards action. Those are the two main things I would tell people starting here. So your, your latest book, it's named The Accidental Entrepreneur, right? The accidental so why entrepreneur. Did, yep. Why, why, why did you name it uh, that? So a bit of a story here. Um, when I started Zero In, I decided I'm going to start sharing my journey online. Mostly LinkedIn was the social media platform where I was sharing, here's what I'm doing. Here's how I'm doing it. Here's what's working for me. Here's what's not working for me. Here's some mistakes I made. Um I would crowdsource a lot of things. I would ask questions. Um, I would collaborate with people. So people were watching this journey unfold online. Um, I decided, hey, in order to increase my credibility, I'm going to write some books. So I wrote three different business books um, that were meant to help my clients, um, my zero-in clients. It was about customer experience. It was about innovation. It was about employee experience. I was writing these books. Well, What happened was because I was sharing all this on LinkedIn, I started to get a lot of individuals reach out to me to say, hey, I want to do what you're doing. I want to start my own consulting business. I want to write some books. Can you help me? Can I pick your brain for a minute? What do you think about this idea? Can I get your advice on that? So I was doing all kinds of responding to direct messages, responding to emails. I was having Zoom calls with people where I was just sharing as much information and knowledge as I could about what has worked for me. And then it finally dawned on me, Hey, I've, I've written books for businesses. Maybe I could write a book for individuals that want to start their own solopreneur company. Mm -hmm. So I took all this advice that I had been giving out to people. I packaged it into like a six step playbook. Uh, I call it the solopreneur playbook. And then I said, I'm going to write a book around this. So that's where the the accidental solopreneur came from. It's a it's actually told in the form of a fictional story, 
So the book is actually a fictional parable about somebody who gets burnt out in their corporate job and decides they're going to bet on themselves and start their own consulting company. And here's the steps that they follow. Here's the mistakes that they make. Here's the people that they run into that give them advice. And it kind of follows their journey along. Um, so now when somebody reaches out and says, hey, can I pick your brain for a minute? I'm like, here you go. Here's the book I wrote about it. So it's already it's already baked for you already. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, because like sometimes, like you mentioned, entrepreneurship, like we don't know what, especially, I don't know, maybe you have felt that or that happened to you at the beginning, like you you already knew certain things to do about your business, about operation, for example, how to achieve results for the client, but you did not know how yeah. to get the client in the first place. Exactly. So like, we don't know where, where, where the focus should be. It's like yeah. you're, you're trying to do a hundred things at the same time, which yeah. is actually is not good. It's distracting and will get you off road sometimes, a lot of times. Yeah. So it's important to know certain things and do certain things. And this is one of the things that I am me personally trying to focus more on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. To, to develop in that area. So because well, I like that. Yep. Yeah. So this is what I actually ended up um, deciding uh, or figuring out. This is what I actually ended up doing myself in my own solopreneur uh, journey was determining, hey, uh, here's the actual playbook I ended up following to eventually launch my, my company and get some success. Um, and this is really what I teach people in the book. And then I also created an online course to dive into this because people were still asking for more information. But it's basically, here's the six steps I followed in this order. The first thing is, if you're a solopreneur, you need to be the expert at something. You can't be a generalist. Um, this was a big mistake I made in the beginning. I, I, I hadn't niched down. I just called myself a business consultant. Yeah, but I didn't decide uh, what niche am I going to work on. Like in the beginning, I wasn't focused specifically on customer experience and employee experience. I was just a business consultant. What's your problem? I'll help you. Right? Yeah. No, you need to pick a niche, and you need to get very specific about what is the specific challenge that I help people or companies solve, and what specific groups of of people. Right? Mm -hmm. What industry? Um, if if you're a fitness instructor, maybe you want to focus on a, sp a specific age group. Maybe you want to help men over 40, right? Lose that extra 15 pounds. Or maybe you're working with um, new moms who only have 20 minutes a day and they just want to get a workout in. But get specific, right? Don't just be a book editor. Maybe you're a nonfiction book editor for first-time authors, right? The more specific you can get, the more people are going to see you as the expert. But then, okay, so you're the expert I need. Are you credible? So you need to show results, right? You need to get testimonials. You need to really work with companies to um, get the results and then show that you get those results. Now you put those two things together. You're a credible expert. Ah, that now people are much more apt to want to go with you. You are the person that solves the very specific challenge that I have, and you've gotten results for other people, right? But you need to have a very good offer. How are you packaging your services? Um, what is your proprietary method for solving their problem? What are your steps? What's your system? What's your methodology? 
and sell that at a fixed price. It's much better to do it that way than to sell your time by the hour. Mm. If you just say, hey, I can help you and it costs a hundred bucks an hour to work with me, there's all kinds of problems with that. A, they might be able to find somebody else cheaper per hour. And B, even if they do decide to go with you, you're constantly on the clock. And if you get good at your job, you're actually going to make less money because it's going to take you less time to get something done, right? So instead, you want to package it together. Here's my six-step process. Here's my methodology. You're buying this playbook, right? You're buying this system. You're not buying my time. So then you sell that playbook or that system or that methodology at a fixed price. But you have to understand sales. Mm. How do I sell, right? Um, it's all about learning to solve people's problems, solve people's challenges, and sell the benefits of of solving that challenge, not selling the the features of your product, your service, your offering. So understanding right. sales is huge. So those mm. first four steps, I've got arrows around them because for me, they overlap. They should be on a consistent basis, right? Yeah, and it's mm. iterative. You're constantly mm. testing these things until you get it right. Mm. What is my niche? I may have to refine that a few times. Um, I may have to refine my offer a few times. I may have to test a whole bunch of different sales pitches, but eventually you're going to get better and better and better at that. And your high ticket offering now, um, you're good at. Only at that point, once you've really solved that and you're good at it, should then you start focusing on building an audience. Um, if if you do have the, um, you know, the want to create other income streams. If you want to sell books, if you want to sell courses, if you want to sell cheat sheets, you need to have an audience for those things. In the beginning, you don't have to have a big audience. You're selling a larger ticket item, right? You maybe only need 100 or 200 people in your network because you maybe only have to sell 10 of these a year because they're high ticket items. If you want to sell to the masses, books, courses, whatever. Now you need a big audience. So you need to learn how to build an audience and then you can create different income streams from that. Mm. So this is the playbook I ended up following. This is the playbook I teach people in the book and in the course, or if I'm doing coaching calls. Um, but this is what it looked like for me. I did not have this playbook in front of me at the beginning of my journey. I had to figure this out. I had mm. to understand how do I do this? And then when I looked back and say, how did I actually get here? It was these six steps that that got me to this point. Yeah, like it's important for every entrepreneur to like to know themselves to have to be a certain, let's say, expert in certain area. Learn how to market and sell themselves. This is basically yeah. like the two first and fourth point that each entrepreneur yeah. should learn to do. Speaking of that, what do you think is is the most important skill for entrepreneur? Like as I mentioned, is to sell their stuff. Because without selling, you are not going to make money in order to mm -hmm. stay in business, right? Yeah. Mar marketing and sales are huge. And like I said in the beginning, I did not have that. I did not have a marketing background. I had no sales experience. I had to learn all of that. I'm still learning, um, but that's huge because you can be the greatest consultant in the world. If you don't get any clients, what does it matter? Right? Mm -hmm. For me, I'm a consultant. And once I land a client, ah, boy, they love working with me, but I had to learn how to attract these clients and how to mm -hmm. land. And uh, so marketing and sales is huge if you're starting out. Exactly. So would you tell us something that people usually don't know about you? For example, 
like do you like go hunting or whatever it is something weird hobby or yeah. something i'm i'm uh, i'm from canada and in canada hockey is our huge sport so i love hockey i still play hockey I'm 47 years old but i still play hockey in a, in a in a men's league i love to watch hockey so hockey would be a huge passion for me awesome hockey is great it's it's but it's sometimes i guess it's like I don't want to say violent, but it has its moments. So I... <laughs> it can be. Yes, it can be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Dennis, where can people get in touch with you when they want, if they want to learn more about you and what you do and how you can help and serve them? Sure. Yeah. Probably the, the two best ways to get in touch with me. One would be my website. So it's dennisgeelan.me is, uh, is my personal website. Uh, the other place to get in touch with me would be LinkedIn. That's where I'm the most active on social media. So if you look up uh, Dennis Geelan on LinkedIn, um, send me a connection request. I, I'd, I'd love to get in touch with people. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dennis, uh, for being here today with me on this episode of the Success Secret Podcast. Re- really, truly, some insightful steps, actually, that you shared with us in this episode. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.